1: Hello and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com.
0: Hi, guys. I'm Jim. I'm the Leicester City representative for the EPL Roundtable. You can find me uh, on Twitter at JimNight88.
2: Hi, I'm Dan. Um, Usually... Oh, I don't know what I am. I'm, I'm, I'm happy some weeks, I'm sad some weeks, I'm frustrated some weeks, I'm angry some weeks. I'm just, I'm just quite an emotional West Bromishat Albion fan, to be honest. You can follow me at Baggy's Facts on the, uh, on the Twitter, if you really want to. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't to be honest, I wouldn't bother. <laughs> All right, well
1: thanks so much for joining us, guys. Up first, of course, we have Making the Rounds, where we each have a few minutes to discuss what's been happening at our clubs this week. Jim, another tight one, but another three points. Just kind of the status quo at the moment.
0: Yeah, we're making a habit of grinding games out 1-0, which um, apparently is the sign of champions when you're Manchester City or Manchester United. But when you're Leicester, you're getting lucky every week, according to several people that made it. Yeah, you didn't
1: know? You're going to
0: have to fall off at some
1: point, they said, after 31 weeks.
0: It's going to burst, Kev. It's going to (laughs) burst. These 30-game bubbles that we see happening all the time.
2: It's not even 30 (laughs) games, though, is it, Jimmy? No, it's It's 48 games now. Yeah,
0: Yeah. so, you know, that's a thing now. You
1: know what? That's kind of like how Harry Kane
0: is just the two-season wonder. Yeah, well, I was on that bandwagon for about 18 months of that two years, so I feel like (laughs) I'm semi-responsible for that because I was convinced he was absolutely terrible. But it turns out he's actually quite good. It looks that way, yeah. Yeah. Uh well, yeah. So Leicester won again, which is the thing. Um, we had a, it was pretty much a carbon copy of the um, the Palace game that we played uh, against them at home. Actually, uh, really tight, like could have gone either way. Um, they had some some quite good chances, but um, maybe not quite good chances. They had one good chance at the end where uh, where they hit the bar through a, a quite remarkable Damien Delaney kind of vo- chest and volley combination which is never a sentence I thought I'd say having <laughs> seen Delaney play for us in the past um but yeah it, it was another goal for for Mahrez another assist for Vardy so although the the goals aren't flowing at the moment for him and haven't for a little while last time he scored um for us was the uh the Liverpool game where we beat them at home a few weeks ago two nil but you know I think Everyone's kind of happy. Who watches him for ninety minutes is happy with his contribution to, to the the team as such because although he's not grabbing the goals, he is kind of assisting them and putting the balls in. It, it was Okasaki last week, um, for the overhead kick. It was it was Morris this week. And, you know, as long as he keeps, you know, making the right runs and putting the pressure on in the right places, I think that's it's a symptom of the second half of our season, to be honest, that teams have, have picked Vardy out as the key man and tried to kind of double mark him out of the game at times and play really deep to counteract his pace in behind. But then that kind of leaves by, by nature. You know, you can't play with 12 men um, as much as Alan Pardew thinks that Leicester are playing with 12 men the majority of the time. Um, it leaves spaces open for the people, whether that be someone like Marez or Okazaki or you know, Ulloa, who's got in on the goal scoring recently. Um, but yeah, another solid performance, another clean sheet um, for Wes Morgan and uh, Robert Huth at the back. And Fuchs was really good as well this week. Um I'm still absolutely amazed by the transformation of Danny Simpson um, consistently amazes me. And it, it was really evident how much we missed him when he was suspended for the game uh, following that red card against Arsenal. So, yeah, we're, we're looking like a well-oiled machine at the moment, but some tricky games coming up. So, um, although we've, we've got a five-point advantage, I'm not counting my chickens quite yet.
1: Yeah, you name-checked uh, literally everyone in your back <laughs> four, uh, but... Obviously the defense has improved massively in the second half of the season versus the first half other than just maybe Danny Simpson's improvement what else has
0: happened to kind of change that so dramatically um this is actually kind of one of the the uh, the things that probably isn't talked about quite as much as it should be um in the light of kind of Kante coming to the fore and drink water getting a lot of attention at the moment um it seems to cycle in the media people pick up on on one player kind of every month or so. And that person becomes flavour of the month and the defence kind of gets forgotten about a little bit. Um, Kasper Schmeichel has always been uh, very good, quite dependable. Um, He had the odd error in him, but most goalkeepers do. But I think it's just that teamwork between um, Huth and and Morgan that's really um, come to the fore the second half of this season. Um, I think Huth came in and improved our team immeasurably in January uh, last year and I think without that signing um, from Stoke initially on loan and then we secured his services full-time in the summer we we would have gone down uh, without Huth at centre-back he, he's just such a rock for us and he I think he improved Wes's game massively and um, I always think Wes struggled a little bit when he wasn't quite sure of the centre-back partner that he had whether it be Vasilevsky or Liam Moore played a little bit last year um, you know the combination between the two of them, they've just established a really good partnership. Uh, they know where they've got that kind of telepathic understanding that you normally associate with kind of strike partners, where they know where they are at all times. They know where the other person's going to be. They kind of move that offside line in unison, uh, which is really, really handy. Note that, you know, they bail each other out when they do make mistakes. Um, it's really, really key that, that, that they've had that understanding between the two of them now. Um, and Christian Fuchs has been kind of a, a revelation for us um at fullback so much so that we seem to have pretty much ditched everyone else who can play right back in our team sent richard dela out on loan to Middlesbrough um and we have got you know we sent three defenders out i think on loan in january um so obviously pretty confident about his fitness and his ability to do a job at fullback um but he he's just that extra touch of quality um you can tell he's played at a much higher level than well at the lower end of the premier league anyway where we were expecting to be playing this year uh, but he's played Champions League football, you know, came in from Schalke. And um, it's clear that he reads the game really well. He's got a massive long throw, which is a real weapon for us as well. Um, but he's just he's just a, a class act. And, you know, he absolutely loves the club by all accounts. And he's kind of becoming that real fan favorite, which you like to see in a new signing.
1: Yeah, and obviously he, he does fairly well for Austria as and gets to take all, take all of their set pieces. Uh, for people wondering, has it been that dramatic since January 1st? Conceded six goals, best in the league, uh, and most clean sheets with eight. Uh, Tottenham still obviously the best uh, defense in the league year long, but have conceded three more goals over that period. Same goal difference, though, Um, which may come into play towards the end of the season, as we've discussed. But yeah, Leicester's defensive revolution, nothing short of tremendous. All right, on to Dan. We scheduled you last week. It didn't work out. You would have been much more excited then than I'm sure
2: you are now after a tough match against Norwich. <clears throat> yeah, well, it wasn't a tough match at all. We made it tough for ourselves by performing absolutely below par compared to what we had done the previous four games. We were we picked up 10 points from the last four, including an absolutely superb draw at Leicester, which I'm sure Jim will remember as uh, everyone going... Going on about it being a point dropped for the for the Foxes, and then it turned out being a a, a grey point due to all the uh, the other big seams doing um doing poorly that week. Um I, ju- I just feel like it was just it's give the Pulis outside like a a massive carrot this week. And I mean I've tried to stay on the fence, and my opinion is that Pulis should probably go at the end of the season once we've you know stabilized and, and and got to safety it does look very much look like we're going to be safe um there's so much there's so many poor teams down there and i'll include norwich in that because they were poor against us and how they managed to beat us is is really it's due to our own doing more than them being anything better than completely average to be honest without being you know, insulting towards them because they haven't really got a player that it stands out. If Norwich go down, there's not going to be a queue of clubs looking to sign Norwich's best players because they're not going to, they're not, they, you know, they're not going to be able to cut it in the Premier League. I, with, that's that's a bit harsh, slightly harsh, but yeah, um, I just feel that we really let ourselves down. Um I feel it was what many would say typical Tony Pulis. We had opportunities to do something with the game. We could have made earlier substitutions. We could have made more earlier more attacking substitutions. The point which really killed it for me was 85 minutes. There's going to be a lot of injury time due to um, one of Norwich's players rolling around on the floor for about five minutes, pretending he was injured and then getting up and running around again like he'd just won the World Cup. Um which is oh, I can't stand that in football. There were stretchers coming on and doctors and everything. He was crying on the floor for what seemed an age. And then a minute later he's it's like, you know, someone's sprayed him with some magic spray and he's good he's great again. Can't stand cheating footballers. Um anyway, yeah, 5 minutes to go thinking he's making a sub now. superb. We're getting, you know, we're getting Ricky Lambert on. He's going to save us. Um <laughs> No, he, he took he took Sesson off with Ricky Lambert with five minutes to go. But it, it's absolutely, you know, the crowd. Sometimes you've got to go for it. You've got to be a bit gung-ho. If you lose the game 2-0 through a counter-attack, you lose the game 2-0, there's no danger of us going down. Try and get the points back. Try and have some pride and try and, you know, keep, keep up your home record. I mean, you know, we've been doing superb at home with six games unbeaten at home until yesterday. And then, and we do that, you know, we we could've got Cecily on the ball on the wing, we could have had Pritchard on the other wing, getting the ball into a box. Even I I would have even been more happier if he'd have said to Jonas Olsen, you go forward, mate, and and you know, stand on there, furthest forward furthest back defender and, and try and get some flick ons. Do something. Don't stick forward at the back when you need a goal, it doesn't really matter. Just just go for it. You know, ugh, so frustrating. There's a there's a time to give up your defensive principles and go for a game, and that was it. Um, yeah, I'm. A, it's a bit frustrating as well being on this particular podcast because <laughs> we've got we've got a Leicester fan, you know, the miracle of football. <laughs> we've got we've got a Spurs fan who are massively overachieving, really, with with the squad they've got. You know, if they win the league. Superb. Hats off to him. Pochettino's doing a superb job, and then you got me, the little old West Brom fan <laughs> sat in the corner. So, <laughs> yeah, that that that'll do. I think for my for my rant for today.
1: All right. Well, uh you are currently placed eleventh, thirty nine points, which mathematically, most years means that you're already safe, and there are still yeah. games to play. You're in between Chelsea and Everton. So are, do you think the people that are frustrated with Pulis are more frustrated with the with the results or with
2: the play style? It, it has to be the play style. Um, I worked out um, for my Twitter account that we'd had six complete games this season where we hadn't managed one single shot on target. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, and it's that kind of statistic that really infuriates the fans because it just feels like that you don't mind in a season having three or four games where you really don't show up and you just absolutely, you you play like an absolute bag of shit. And it happens, you know, you can accept it. It's football. But we've done that, I could probably count on eight, nine, ten occasions. And yes, we've been good on occasions too. You know, in contrast to that, we've had games where we've been very decent, you know. But... It just seems that when it's bad, it's it's very, very bad. And when plan A doesn't work, the plan B is non-existent. Plan A being sit back, defend for your lives and then sit back again and defend for your lives and maybe catch one on the break from a corner, cross, counter-attack, dead ball situation, penalty, fluke, own goal, you know, and... It just it frustrates the fans, I believe, because we have got the players with the ability to be able to do a lot more than we have been doing. Um, Ian Wright, I know he's not, he's not, you know, he's not the most educated footballing knowledgeable person on the planet, but he's he's better than most, to be fair. And he and he did say that if we'd had Berahino firing on all cylinders, we Rondon run and Cessy on for most of the season, playing the decent attacking football that we have done in the four previous games before Norwich then we might well be finishing higher up the table and that's probably true but we also need the manager to be forward thinking enough to be able to implement them to do that and I think with Pulis the safety first thing it it will suit chairman and it will suit some fans but many of the fans remember us well because of the days gone by with with attributing to to the, the Stoke days and the Stoke tactics and and the fact that we've got a bit of a rival with Stoke and and Stoke always managed to beat us, they are our bogey side for years. Um, many fans feel that the way forward isn't with Pulis and I do sympathise with them. And I do understand the ones that say purely statistical, we are in the Premier League for another season, but we are the, the team with the lowest amount of shots, we are the team... With the lowest amount of shots at goal, we have the lowest team. With the with the lowest team with the uh, amount of shots on target as well, um, and we're also the lowest team in terms of possession. So those four things say to me that the entertainment value is gone down the pan. There we go. Mm.
1: Yeah, only two teams with fewer goals. But if it makes you feel any better, your negative seven goal difference infinitely better than Newcastle's
2: negative twenty six. Or Aston yeah. Villa's negative thirty-six. Um <laughs> just just to add in there, um we are math- it is mathematically impossible for Aston Villa to catch us now. So at least it's another season above the villa.
1: Yep, and they're going down. I mean, there's yeah. no way that is not happening. Bless them, um, pat
2: them on the head. <laughs>
1: Dan, don't you know they're a massive club? they ever
2: mentioned it? Okay
1: Fair enough. Um, on to uh, Tottenham, then I suppose. Uh, another comfortable win today, which was very pleasing, considering what happened midweek uh, against Dortmund, uh, <laughs> that did not particularly go our way, and considering Bournemouth's form uh, coming into this week uh, since December first, Bournemouth had the fourth best form over that period, hadn't lost yet in two thousand and sixteen in the league. So I was less confident going into this than I could have been. Still kind of expected a win, but didn't expect it to be this easy. And uh, those fears were allayed very quickly when Kane scored in the first minute uh, with just applying the slightest of touches on a cross in from Kyle Walker um, to beat Boric. Then from there, it was pretty much over. Bournemouth managed no shots on target. uh, And the main concern in the second half was just hoping that Dyer wouldn't pick up his 10th yellow of the season, which would have had him miss uh, matches against Liverpool and Manchester United, which are obviously both very important for us, although Liverpool doing their best to make that matchup uh, meaningless for them by the time we play them. Um, I love that we responded well, despite uh, results elsewhere, especially considering Leicester's result. And adding to that, that we play after Leicester four of the next five matches. So it's important that we, we illustrate that we're willing to um, just play our own game the way we always said we have been, but then to actually back it up, especially after the week we've had, knowing Leicester have, had gone eight points to the top, um, being able to go out and just have just a, a very standard performance and dominate the game that we did. Uh, was very promising considering this is our only uh, goal for the rest of the season is, is to do well in the league as we're now out of the Europa League. So that was very pleasing to see. Uh, as a fan, I'm not expecting the title. I love that everything coming out of the club is that that's, that's our target and the players are saying, of course, we can win the title and everything. Um, I've said before, lesser have to lose two and draw one for this to be a race. And that's if we win out. I don't think we're going to win out. Um, and then, you know, if Leicester are losing more than that, aren't you on three for the season? Three losses?
0: Yeah, three losses all season. Yeah. So.
1: So, so in order for us to be the title favorites, you have to double your loss tally in, in the last seven weeks. That that's... bubble's
0: got a burst, Kev, and when it does, when oh, it right. does.
1: Oh, right. It has to. <laughs> There are a whole seven games left. What Your track record is only 31 weeks. How yep. does that say anything? Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I'm not expecting the title by any stretch. I do understand the frustration. Uh, I'm sure people saw this week floating around. It would be the first time since 1985 that a team finishing ahead of uh, Chelsea, City, Arsenal, and Manchester United doesn't win the title. That would be really frustrating. Is this the best chance clubs like Leicester and Tottenham will have for a very long time? Probably, especially if Mourinho does take the United job, Chelsea probably going to get Conte. Then you have Pep with Europa League <laughs> riddled <laughs> Manchester City. Um, <laughs> but it's going to be—it's—it's it's not going to be this open next year, I don't
2: think. Um, I wonder whether Pep Guardiola, sorry, has got a clause in his contract saying that if Man City failed to, yeah, to we, play, we play we for joked the Champions League, he'll be off somewhere else.
1: Yeah, we joked about that, but then Rob Pollard came on and crushed all of our dreams. Um, <laughs> that, that it is obviously a binding contract and that they wouldn't have announced it early if he had a way to get out of it. But I love the, that,
0: so, so do I. I'll get out of it. I want to see him playing Mitchelland on a Thursday. It's and funnier. <laughs> it's much funnier that Pep is going to be with City in the Europa League than him not coming at all. The thing is, though, the, the the mud that everyone always flings at Pep because he's so good is that he's he's always inherited good teams. Which I suppose, if you're saying good teams, is true. Like he did change that Barcelona team into the team of a lifetime, mm. and he has won most things with with Bayern. I know he's not won the Champions League. Um, could do it this year, but you never know. But it's going to be a big test for him. You know, that kind of environment, not only coming to the Premier League, which is particularly competitive this year, and especially with the unknown quantities of all the new managers, I like the fact he might have to have a a really stripped back, kind of rebuilt Manchester City squad that are only in the Europa League to deal with, Mm. because that test takes more out of you than anything else you could... Being in the Europa League and trying to win the title is is probably harder than being in the Champions League because of the... Mathematically, it's tougher. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, especially because you're always playing Sundays. So like what I was yeah. talking about, you're o- you're always playing catch-up the whole season. Um, so anyway, uh, I do think this is the best chance for clubs like Tottenham and Leicester. Uh, so it would be frustrating if we missed it this year. But there's no arguing that what Leicester have done is magical. And I think it's a win for football either way. Uh, that it doesn't go to the top four. Obviously, as a Spurs fan, it would suck. But I think it's a win on the whole. Um and and it feels like we're now separating. It feels like it's Leicester, Tottenham, space, Arsenal, space, 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 <laughs> City, West Ham, United, all in this weird thing. Also, how weird is it that this week is the first time people have noticed that City have been awful? Like everybody's been LVGing out for United since November, and they're
0: one point off Manchester City now. Should it's I tell you why that is? It's because mm. everyone likes Pet uh, likes um. Pelegrini. Pelegrini. Yeah, yeah, and everyone thinks l v g is and an unmentionable, unsufferable <laughs> tosspot, which mm. is yeah i'm not I'm not sure either of those are incorrect, <laughs> no, but until the thing is people have started to click onto to it now, not only because they have been abysmal, but everyone the the thing is like everyone seemed to think that Manchester City were the only team that could win like ten games in a row. And potentially storm from like fourth place to top, mm. um, and it's just not the case. They've been awful since forever. Um, but they I had think
2: one back-to-back wins. But, in do you
0: know like what? That. If if you look at their squad, it's probably
2: about right because without Aguero and with T- yeah. Torre not firing, right? No Navas Navas isn't an amazing player.
0: Navas is an abysmal footballer. Yeah.
2: I mean, <laughs> he's he's just he's a Spanish Aaron Lennon. I mean, David Silva, of course, is, is fantastic and will probably get in any side in the world, but you can't be relying on David Silva every week. Yeah, and they've, been, know, playing, them, they've um, been playing that young lad up front, Iheanacho, and of yeah. course, he's just coming onto the scene. They've not really had a backup because they don't rely on Boney. And I, it's just really not that much of a superb side compared to the impact the players that they had were having last season. I think the Premier League has improved and surpassed what, they were last season you know I think they've got a lot of work to do and, and Pep Guardiola's gonna it's a rebuild job for him really and it's gonna be tough and he might well not succeed with it
0: I just yeah. struggle that a team that have spent that much money can have Dima Chalice starting at centre-back yeah in, yeah, and Mangala yeah. which I mean Mang- and and the thing is with Mangala decent, they, they not paid 35 so million tr- for exactly they paid so much 30, money
2: for- 32 mil was it yeah Something yeah. like that. Absolutely. Which for
0: a central defender is eye watering.
2: Yeah.
0: Like but even in but it day. somehow went under the radar because Luis had just gone for 40. Yeah. That's <laughs> just, just a PSG. silly season, isn't it? But yeah. the, fact, the fact that they are, you know, they are pretty average when you break it down. And I think it does not help they're the fact aging fact as a well. Lot, a lot of them are just coasting now. Like, yeah. I think that's blatantly obvious. I think you might and, see that buying a little bit as well, which is why I don't just, think they'll win the Champions League. To top it all off,
2: Joe Hart isn't the best of goalkeepers. As as, you know, put we put it, if, you put Joe Hart, if you put Joe Hart in an average Premier League side, if you put Jack Butland at Man City and then you put Joe Hart playing for Stoke and then have to rely on on Joe Hart having to perform as well as Jack Butland has throughout the season, it just wouldn't happen because he's got too many mistakes in him. He's a very good goalkeeper. He's a very good shot stopper. But he loses his head too much. you yeah. know. And And I just think for England, I couldn't care less if Joe Hart's out for the summer.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting. If you progressed a lot
2: on this podcast, Kev. All, all over your Spurs <laughs> bit. I'm really sorry. Nice.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Listen, as Kevin, I'm super offended that you cut into my time, but as a host, that was a good conversation. <laughs> 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 uh, but anyway, yeah, so it, I like that it's now separating out and it's Tottenham and Leicester at the top with Arsenal trying to catch us and then just West Ham, Manchester United, and Manchester City all just kind of taking points off each other. That's lovely. That's all fine. Liverpool. You know, <laughs> I. Right, you know, we love us some Liverpool fans, and we have Liverpool people on here a lot. I mean, not when they lose, but a lot. <laughs> um, uh, but at halftime, everyone was saying if they could manage to make that a 5 0 victory, they'd go ahead of Manchester United in the table, and the race for fourth was back on. And then forty-five minutes later, they're entirely yeah. out of
2: everything. Liverpool fans do that though, mate. Mm, yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, I, actually, kind of speaking of Liverpool, that's that's. Something that I'm a little bit worried about is that if we finish second, the way they did the Suarez year, the people will look on the season as anything other than terrific. Like I've said infinity times. I don't know why I didn't just say infinite. It would have been a lot easier. But um, coming into the season, I was in that same you know fourth to sixth mindset. If you had told me at the beginning of the season that we would be in a Champions League spot come April, which it will be by the time we have our next round of fixtures, I would have bitten your hand off, not asked any questions. Great. So just because we're pseudo in a title race, I don't want that to distract people from, A, how enjoyable this season has been. The football we're playing is terrific. Everybody loves everyone at the club, both internally and externally. The fans are having a massive, sometimes creepy, (laughs) relationship with the players like on Twitter and on Instagram and stuff it's just everything feels so unified which is so different than how things were under AVB and especially under Sherwood Um, it just feels like the club is so healthy now and it's very very exciting so if we don't win the title which I don't think we will do I, I just want everyone to reflect on this as the season that it was which was nothing short of terrific Selling a little or a lot
0: So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com people today.
2: Speaking
1: of uh, everything that's happened in time with our Englishmen coming through, we had Kane scoring today, now leading the league on 21 goals. Of course, Lukaku does have a game in hand. Um, but Kane's at the top. Vardy's second. Today, we had four English goal scorers on a Sunday for the first time this season. Well, for strikers, because it was Sturridge, Defoe, uh, Kane, and Rashford, of all people. Uh, So, which English striker do you think is the best right now? Do you think if Rooney comes back, he'll get the start in Europe? How will that all work? Who do you think will be the best come the next World Cup, if you don't mind projecting a little bit?
0: I'm quite happy for Wayne Rooney to miss as much of England's European campaign as humanly possible Um, (laughs) because I just I just I I feel like there's a sentimentality there like he is obviously he is the captain and he's England's leading goal scorer and there's a lot of kind of sentimentality there but if you are actually building for two or four years time and you've got players like Kane like Vardy who are probably both going to finish the season with 20 plus goals it's their name well Kane definitely is Vardy I think needs one more Um, you know Vardy less so, I guess, but if you're going to look to the future, surely you kind of want to start integrating those players regularly and trying to find a formation that doesn't mean that you can only play one of them because you have to accommodate Wayne Rooney when, by all accounts, he's had a pretty bang average season um, and has a history of not performing in major tournaments. Um, I don't think there's any... Well, certainly in my mind, there's no doubt that Kane's the best English striker right now. And obviously Mm. his age gives him an advantage over a lot of the people we've just mentioned um, going forward for two years' time. I think it's exciting to have a a player who had all this pressure heaped upon him by the English press and is actually still delivering on a consistent basis, even though it is... he hasn't gone Townsend. (laughs) Well, I I have my issues with Andros Townsend, which I think a lot of people do. Um, But, you know, the thing is with England, I mean, we've seen it with Rashford already. Um, he scored four goals in two games, um, and suddenly Roy Hodgson was asked about picking him in the European Championship squad. Which, considering you've got, you know, the kind of players more suited to that, you know, I think everyone everyone loves a, a left field inclusion, which is why people started asking him. And also the fact that he plays for Manchester United. If he'd done that playing for Stoke or Sunderland, no one would have said anything. Um, mm. But because he plays for Manchester United. Um, there is this perceived kind of big club bias where if you play for a big team, a top-four team potentially, um, then you're more likely to get into England squads no matter your kind of record. Um, Which, if you're Kevin Nolan, perhaps you'd point to that and say, well, if he'd played like that playing for a top-four team, would he have got more England caps than he's got now? Which is zero, and probably Mm. that's right. Um, But yeah, I'm in no doubt that Kane's the best English striker, and he should be the first kind of striker on the team sheet, and and who we put around him, I suppose, depends on the next the next eight games. And um, you've got people like Sturridge and uh, Welbeck coming back into form. I'm not, I struggle a little bit with Welbeck. Um, I would he's quite just have so to.
1: versatile. That's that's yeah. so beneficial for his play.
0: This is the thing, and this is the Theo Walcott factor as well. Yeah, because because he's he's bang average and has been for a while, but because he's pacing can play out wide. this...
2: Then... Is... I'm sorry, there's this is a debate going on at the minute, and they're saying it about Wilshire as well, oh, if he manages to play the last four games no. of the season, no. should he be included. Well. And the same thing should be there for Welbeck, he's literally, he's come back a month ago. He should not be included. You've got players who've played really well throughout the whole season. They should be first and foremost in, in contention. Yeah, it was cruel. Yeah, he's been injured. But do you know what? I think thrusting a player that has been injured for a long period of time into a summer tournament isn't the best The best thing to be doing. And to be honest, I don't think Welbeck deserves it on merit regardless. So mm. I, I think the Welbeck debate for me, yeah, he's versatile yeah, he's a handy player to have in terms of he'll do a lot of running. He can play on the wings if you ask him to. But, you know, in terms of picking your best 23 players for England for the World Cup, I don't think he should be in the squad.
0: Hodgson will, Hodgson will stick Vardy on the wing anyway. So you've got that position hmm. covered because he won't play him through the middle. because unless well, Leicester play Kane, Kane
1: on the wing for a little bit? Oh, was... yeah, but
0: that's when we <laughs> didn't know that he was the second coming and he was... Yeah. Not quite as not well. Not quite. Nowhere near as good as he is now. He was Ooh, on. Our bench. I wanted you to confirm a thing. I,
1: I saw on Twitter in
0: your playoff final. Yeah, is it I was true just about that, to Kate say that and Vardy were on the yeah.
1: They
0: yeah, were on the
2: bench? Wow, who was yeah. on the bench? Sorry,
0: in in the you know the twenty no what what year was it? It's a couple of years ago when we played twenty twelve. Yeah, when we played. Um, when we played Watford and Troy Deeney went up the other end and scored after knockout. Missed oh, that. oh
2: so, yeah. The that day yeah.
0: we had Jamie Vardy, uh, Danny Drinkwater and Harry Kane. Wow. <laughs>
2: so, yeah. Three, three players who could well be going to... to um,
0: I, I would I would be so you know. happy if Danny Drinkwater made the final squad, but he is surely target number one for the Jack Wiltshire replacement training. And, and, yeah. and do you
2: know what that would be? That would be absolute bullshit if that came. <laughs> well, there. No, it would it's, be. It's, it you've, would got, be yeah. you've got a player it playing a team that's top of the league and he's done, he's done so consistently throughout the whole season. And then Jack Wilshere comes back on the back of him being an Arsenal wonder kid back in the day and then outs him from an England place. That would be absolutely... A travesty of justice. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. and that's the kind of thing. The problem is the big cup bias really comes out in, in force doesn't it? You know, you, you like you said before, Kevin Nolan. You could probably list Kevin Phillips in that as well. You know, there's a number of players over the years. We had Russell Hult in goal. who was probably the best keeper in England at one point. Yet yeah, he never even got picked as third choice for England. You know, it, it happens so often. Because a player plays for a big club, it is assumed that that player is better than the player that plays for a club. Well, it's like Andros
1: Townsend got called up every single
0: time, moves to Newcastle, and all of a sudden is missing. Yeah. He didn't even play for us. (laughs) Speaking of... So, basically, Raheem Sterling went off injured today, and we don't know how severe that is, but he's probably not going to play for England, I guess, if he had to leave a match injured after 20 minutes. Um, Call up Mark Albrighton, because he has been superb. And, again... Raheem you know, Sterling has Mark, done a square root of sweet FA this year for Manchester City and Mark Albrighton has been superb.
2: He's so good at running at the back four, isn't he? Like yeah. absolutely. And he's superb. a genuine
0: wide player. He doesn't want to cut yeah. in and shoot the Andros Townsend. Oh, that'd be nice syndrome. and <laughs> um, yeah. And he's legitimately putting performance after performance in, and he runs his heart out. And it's not just about running an effort. He's delivering quality, which is making us goals. And, you know, he's been one of the most underrated parts of this Leicester team, if you can be underrated when you're top of the league. So because in April, he'll be
1: the player we're talking about. <laughs> yeah,
0: you know, he's been overshadowed by the heroics of other people in the team. Um, yeah. And, you know, maybe say rightly so, given, given how well they've played. But... There isn't a more informed wide player with the kind of nine-month form that deserves an England call-up more than him at the moment. But again, it's the Jack Wilshere replacement bus service syndrome where somebody will probably get called up who's been at a big club for a while and had one or two half-decent games and he'll be in the team. So we'll see. Come on, Roy. We know you listen. Pick <laughs> Mark <Michael> Albrighton. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and Vinny and <laughs> Boss to the England training camp at this rate if he picks any more Leicester players. Not going to need a cab. Yeah,
1: right? Um, (laughs) While we're talking about strikers and Jamie Vardy, like I said, we're going to touch a little bit on the next World Cup and who will be in and around that squad. Everybody, I joked about it earlier, was saying Kane would be a one-season wonder. Now he's hit 20 back-to-back years and is only the fifth English player to ever do so. Uh, What what do you think about Vardy's diversity in his finishing? Do you think that this kind of success will continue onward, or are you concerned that maybe this is more of a one-year thing?
0: I think he won't necessarily be a 20-goal season striker every year, um, but I think what he brings to the team will continue to be a real asset to whoever he plays for, whether it be Leicester or England or whoever else. Because, like I said earlier, the fact that he's not scoring at the moment isn't a huge concern to us because, A, we're winning games, but we're winning games because of his contribution in terms of assists and just general... Play. He essentially takes players out of the match that free up uh, well, other people. Well, I think if you
2: look at him, I mean, you can say you can say that players have heart and that players care and they're you know never say die attitude, and that is a bit of a sweeping statement and it does get used a lot. But in terms of Jamie Vardy, like the, the last few times that I've seen him live, he's just he's just been absolutely... He doesn't care. He's, he's such he's a just pest. So, to yeah, he's an absolute nightmare to mark. He's he's pacey. He's actually got a very good footballing brain. These finishes that he comes with, comes up with, they're, they're not just you know smashed into the bottom corner through absolute luck. He knows exactly what he's doing with that ball at his feet. I, I personally, I can see him doing it for the next two or three years before he, he plateaus off and, and and you know probably starts uh, his, his career starts mellowing out a little bit. I can see him being a, a massive asset for you know whether he's at Leicester or whether he's at somewhere else, but. You know, for for Jim's sake, I really hope he, he does the business for Leicester, you know.
0: Yeah, well, and, well, I mean, he... ho- hopefully this new contract will kind of mean that he doesn't play anywhere else for the foreseeable future. Um, because I can't see anyone parting with, you know, tens of millions of pounds for a 29-year-old who's already on £80,000 a week. So you're going to have to improve that as well. Um, financially that makes little to no sense uh, long term and even medium term because there's no sell on value in that but also just picking up on what Dan said um, the fact that he scored four times his goal tally this year is is no fluke he basically spent the entire summer working with the sports science team looking at, at his performance last year and they basically came to the conclusion that he had plenty of shots but he wasn't placing them well enough so all he was working on all summer as well as the kind of cardio and fitness and he's in Ridiculous physical shape, um, and has been for the last nine months. He's he can play a full ninety minutes at you know a hundred miles an hour uh, week after week, and sometimes twice a week. Um, he basically worked on his accuracy, and that's all he did uh, for the summer. And you can see it kind of paying dividends now, which is you know testament to him as a player and wanting to improve and not being too stubborn and stuck in his ways to say yeah okay I'll listen to the coaches and the sports science guys who are analysing my performances. And, you know, this will benefit me in the long run. But also the fact that he is 29, it's kind of misleading because he's not been playing at the top level for that long in, in the grand scheme of things. A lot of 29-year-olds in the Premier League have been playing at that level since they were 18, 19, and have got 10 years of improvement already showing on the pitch. Whereas I think with Vardy, you can see that rapid improvement happening year after year because he's having the effect of, you know, the top-level training and coaching. And that experience is kind of extrapolating that improvement in him even kind of late 20s potentially early 30s next year and you can't
1: underestimate how much you improve facing better defenders like you learn a lot Yeah. yeah and and the the rapid improvement you're saying with with the placement you can't have any player study that for one summer and then turn it around because and i'm not sure a lot of people realize this jamie vardy's greatest strength is also harry kane's greatest strength and it's positioning it's not even the striking of the ball. Both of them obviously very good at that as well. But they both can create their own space constantly and give themselves enough of a bubble to get clean shots off. Yeah. And it's, it's really incredible. And, you know, Vardy has something that Kane doesn't have in pace. That, you know, Kane just can't turn a defense as easily as Vardy can at times because he, he lacks that extra element. Um, but, yeah, Vardy's positioning I, I'm always very impressed by. Dan, you were going to say something?
2: Uh, yeah. If I was, I've it's gone. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Uh, well, then
1: we'll just uh, kick it to you on on who do you think is is the best going right now? I'm I'm surprised it was as easy for you, Jim, because now that Sturridge is back fit, rare as that is, it looks like he's he's doing the business again.
0: Sturridge is still made of glass, though. That's the thing that worries me about him.
2: True. I he's- don't I, I don't think Sturridge is made of glass. I think Sturridge thinks he's made of glass. Oh, yeah. Okay, either mentally
0: or physically, yeah, he's not it. set up to play Premier League football or international level football consistently over a 52-week period. Um, and I think that will always hamper him, no matter where he is, because unless he can get over that mental block where he literally has to be 100% and firing on all cylinders before he'll go on the pitch, that's not going to happen. Like I don't want to bring it back to Vardy again unnecessarily, but the guy's been playing with three broken bones in his wrist for months mm. and other players could use that as an excuse not to no kind of... complaints whatsoever Yeah, he just gets on with it and you never really hear him mention it either the only time it ever came up was in an interview when someone asked him specifically why he still plays with the kind of wrap on his wrist like the boxer's wrap that you'll notice on one of his hands mm. and it's literally and a, a, basically a tactic to stop him breaking any more bones because he knows that will protect him with his kind of physical style but those bones aren't healing um, and he's not bothered. He just kind of carries on regardless and he, he will play through the pain barrier, which is I something think, which storage yeah. clearly isn't going to do. And, for- and there's,
2: there's plenty of players that can learn. That. I remember taking it off on a little bit of a tangent. We had a player called Nathan Ellington a few years back and he refused to play with, I think it was a stub toe or whatever it was. He refused to have a painkilling injection and, and play for a club. Now, do you know what? If, if you're not that committed, being paid thousands of pounds a week, I'd rather you didn't play. And it seems like... People have questioned whether Sturridge has took a similar approach, and I think the the questions that he has been asked by some journalists as a, you know he's took it as oh stop insulting me I think they're fair questions to to be asking you know has he is he mentally strong enough is he, is he physically strong enough does he think he's physically strong enough it is you know it's a bit you know, I think England should look at, at Daniel Sturridge as, yes, he's a fantastically talented player, but they shouldn't think Sturridge is going to be around for so-and-so amount of years and a pivotal member of the England squad. If he's available, they should see him as a bonus and pick him if he's fit and available. But to, to even plan anything around Daniel Sturridge, whether you're Liverpool or England, would would be uh, an, an accident waiting to happen because he's, he's an accident waiting to happen. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. If you I,
1: are if you are planning ahead, though, could England potentially be looking at a player currently at your club in say to Barahino or Marcus Rashford, who is kind of the flavor of the month?
2: Not not Marcus Rashford. Maybe if if you if you give Rashford until the end of next season and he's played consistently for a club, whether that be Man United or out on loan, consistently scoring goals week in week out, then of course you can look at him. You know, I did question Deli Ali earlier this season. He's in a place. Fair, so there. did I. <laughs> yeah, but but do you know what? He's in a place now, having performed so well throughout the whole season, pretty much, where you can say there's no there's no question that he, he, he can be picked and he should probably be picked. And you know, I I just think that we can rush into it too quickly, and maybe a player has got the raw talent to be able to play for England, but there have there has to be a level of proving that first whether they've got the ability there and then doesn't really matter for me because England is the next step up and you need to prove yourself at one level before you can move on to the next level if you know what I mean so I just feel that Rashford yeah you know I hadn't heard of him until three weeks ago but he looks he looks superb you know it, it's almost where has he been all season you've had that, this player lying around and you've needed goals scored and, <laughs> yeah, right. and, and he's not been a, you know you've not given him his opportunity and, and they have played a plethora of young lads this season, United. God, me. Some of the names that have come out, I've never heard of them before, but they, they've plodded on. <clears throat> and that is one thing you could say for Van Gaal. But, I mean, Sido Berahino, um, he's got the ability <clears throat> to be playing at a club better than the Albion. I've said this many times. He's a very good footballer. Finishing ability, he's up there with Harry Kane, if not better, in my opinion. His all-round game isn't anywhere probably near what Harry Kane's has been this season, but if you put the ball in front of him 20 yards out and ask him to hit the top corner, I think half, half of the times he, he does so. You know He's got a superb ability in front of goal. Um, and I think he will one day probably get his games for England if his attitude's right, if he's got the right mentality, if he's got the right people helping along in his career. He's made the right steps recently by apologising to the fans, blah blah blah. But it's all crocodile, it's crocodile tears for me. You know, I think he's just planning his move to Spurs in the summer. That's great. If he goes there and does well for Spurs, that's great for England and it's great for for, for himself. You know, um, without saying Berahino will be a, a future fixture in the England side, no doubt. You know, I'm not going to say that because anything could happen. But he has the ability to do that, so. Mm.
1: Yeah, I I think the interesting thing uh, to come is what what is going to happen to Wayne Rooney. First of all, the fact that he's 30 years old and in the England setup nobody knows if he's better uh at the point of attack or if he's better as a attacking midfielder is insane. Um and also it means by the next Euros he's 32, by the next World Cup or not, after these coming Euros, sorry, he'll be 32 at the next World Cup, 34 in the next Euros. And he doesn't really seem like the kind of player that's in the, the kind of shape where you'd have confidence that his athleticism would stay with him through that whole period. What so, shape
2: is that, Kev? Round. Uh,
1: round, yeah. <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, you have Vardy, who's just one year behind that. So then you are probably looking at likes of Kane, Barahino, maybe Rashford, <laughs> if he can keep it up. But I agree that we overhype English prospects too ready, uh, too soon, and now I'm doing it myself. Um, maybe someone like Callum Wilson, who was on fire before he got hurt. Um, it'll be, yeah, it'll be really interesting to see the direction that all of this goes. Obviously, I'm, I'm on the Kane side of things, but I wouldn't, I, I do think that the lack of pace can hurt him at times, especially against teams that are willing to just set up to defend. I think that that's a category in which Sturridge and Barty and Berahino as well would all have the benefit of, of taking a defender off the foot and, and just trying to punish them that way as opposed to having to wait for, for the balls to be delivered to you. Um, but yeah, I, I think to your point, Jim, about whether or not you can trust uh, Sturridge to be fit and, and you were talking about how uh, Vardy has been playing with a broken bone, Kane hasn't been dealing with broken anything because he just doesn't get injured. He hasn't missed a start since coming into the Tottenham side last season. Careful,
2: and, careful with your words, I, Oh,
1: gosh, Kevin. we got to knock on everything. <laughs> oh, man, find all the wood. Kevin's um, bringing
2: England's World Cup this zero chances, brother, as we speak. <laughs> yeah, that's my
1: bad. Um, but, yeah, no, I, 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 I very much am impressed by that. And, and the tenacity that he and Vardy are both showing is, is something I agree that, that Sturridge sometimes lacks. It, it seems like he's... <laughs> you often hear it as a compliment, but it seems like Sturridge is just trying to have fun it doesn't really seem he has that kind of lethality to him but obviously he can score fantastic goals and is incredibly talented just i, I do agree maybe you don't want to rely on that uh permanently uh so
0: in england what start kane and vardy up top all agreed i i would say that but i don't think if you ask me what's going to happen it's going to be kane as a number 10 uh, sorry yeah no sorry the reverse Um, Mm. I'm getting my numbers mixed up. I think he'll start Kane as the target man and drop Rooney off him a little bit, um, because I think Kane only really works as that lead forward, whereas there is a doubt over where Rooney's best position is. Mm. Um, But I think Rooney will be the first name on the team sheet. Well, it's interesting you say that, that because I think if Vardy and Kane played together, Vardy would be
1: at the tip with Kane just off his shoulder. Yeah, Likes Let's a distant say, shot, I, likes creating I, what, what, and, and I know passing has in, has has uh, improved a lot this, this season.
2: This might be a bit out there, guys, but maybe start them both up front in a four four two.
0: You know, sure. It, yeah, okay. two two I players. To play off
2: each other. Uh, very good forwards. It can yeah. work. Dwight Dwight York and, and Andy Cole, you know, Kevin yeah. Phillips and the old what's his name? What was his what was the name? Noel Quinn. No, you know make Partnerships, it would be great to see a, a, an England attacking partnership, you know. but yeah. You know the
1: name that I've forgotten this entire time is Danny Ings?
0: he thought that he'd yeah. get in and around the squad if no. he had seen fit?
2: No. No? No.
1: no.
0: Ben Icafobi's <laughs> apparently going to play for Democratic Republic of Congo at some point soon. That's Even fine. though he's played for England under-21s, <laughs> 19s, 17s, 16s, forever.
1: I had to write Which, about him for a fantasy site, so I had to like look into his statistics, and they're genuinely awful. I don't know how he's scored goals. He he has like three shots on target in his last six matches. He got yanked at halftime against us. I don't know what it is. I don't know. I wanted to be impressed by him. and it, I was just <laughs> trying to think
0: two years down the future. Yeah, the run, could I develop? The thing is, forward. though, what we, what we probably don't know is that there might be one or two more Marcus Rashfords in the academies of oh, interesting, various yeah. clubs. Marcus um,
1: Edwards apparently gets all the credit with the yeah. Spurs U-blank teams. So you Is know, there is there anybody like that at your guys? I know, Dan, you, you like to you talk about how people are poaching. Well, you don't like talking about it, but uh, big clubs kept poaching your, your more talented players. Don't you have a younger forward that's supposed to be a big deal?
2: We we did have Adil Nabi who was sold to Peterborough recently, and we've also managed to move on Kemar Roof, who's taken... Um, he was he was taking League Two by storm for Oxford, um, but apart from that, the problem is it's it's really tough to get them, you know, fitted into the side. I mean, we've got a young lad who's been training with the Welsh first team, but isn't near our first team in Tyler Roberts, who's supposed to be like the next big thing. But you know, unless they get games and play, we we're not to know. This is the ideal time of the season to be giving young lads like that an opportunity. Yeah. Um,
1: like Alex Pritchard. Please play him more.
2: Uh, you know, Pritchard should have gone to a, a championship club. Sorry, yeah. mate. Yeah. No,
1: he should have been. Uh, the Burnley thing sounded perfect for many reasons, including having Jamie Smith back <clears throat> on his podcast. I think <laughs> Pulis would have
2: been honest and said, um, I can't guarantee your time. and but, And he would have probably believed in his ability. But then he probably trains with the Albion every week and realises that Pudis' rigid tactics and formation means that Pritchard will only ever appear from the bench in certain situations in particular games against certain clubs, which means he might play about 50, 60 more minutes from now until the end of the season. Yeah. Shame, really, because he looks like he's got the ability, but he needs game time. You know, you can't expect a lad to do it for 10 minutes here and there. You know, we've seen the best of Marcus Rashford because he's starting games for United and bedding himself in and allowing himself because he, he wasn't he wasn't the best in between the the two games he had and the, the the game he's had today against Man City, but he's been allowed to play still, and and that is then how you how you see players come on and learn from their mistakes and and become the, the players that are you know gonna gonna feature week in week out. You need to have a manager that's going to show a bit of faith in talent even when not doing well. Yeah. Um. All all the time. It's been yep. a, quite a philosophical f- philosophical <laughs> pod- podcast. This one, Kev. Eh? Yeah. It's been a, it's been a good one. Uh.
1: Jim. Quickly. Anybody coming up through the ranks? You have a lot of good forwards, but it seems like they're all on on the wrong side at like twenty five.
0: <laughs> yeah. We don't have anyone particularly that kind of fits that.
1: Kind did, of. did you end up uh, selling? Oh man, that was name the one you were so excited when you signed because everyone wanted to sign him and then he forgot to ever develop. Which mm. one? Uh the how forward. long ago? Hmm. How long ago? Oh, like he I think he's on loan right now or you just sold him to Germany?
0: Oh, Andre Kramaric. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He um he has attitude problems from what I hear. Mm. Um he was, you know, he was starting plenty of games at the end of last season. Um and since the change in management, he he's barely kicked a ball for us. Um, I think he came on as a sub against Liverpool when we lost 1-0 at Anfield um, and he's played in two, no, one cup game uh, which was against West Ham United where he tried to lob the keeper when he was clean through on goal and it went straight into uh, Adrian's hands and then he looked like he couldn't care less whether we won or lost that game and got substituted halfway through the second half So, and that was the last we saw of him. Um, so yeah, you know, high hopes for him beginning of the season. I thought he might be the first name on the team sheet, above Vardy even, uh, based on what has happened at the end of last season. But yeah, nothing nothing coming through the ranks like, you know, anyone to kinda of keep an eye on really. We've got a really solid under twenty one team, uh, but it at times it's used as a rotation team for the first team. Um so you get the likes of Leonardo joa turning out for them now and again. Uh Damari Gray still gets uh game time in there when he's not playing for the first team. Gokan Inla has turned out for the under twenty one team a couple of times this year. Yeah uh, who who would have thought that he'd be behind like in Kante and, yeah. and, the like. and and he's he's been dropped from the uh the Swiss side for the first time in I think it's ten years. Mm. Uh um, he, he was that, poor against uh, us in the uh what was that the FA Cup? Yeah, he's been pretty bad. I mean I was I was convinced that he just couldn't care less when we played hull in the um, in the cup and we went all the way up there and it was freezing cold and it was raining and he just looked like he couldn't be bothered to be there. And that was his kind of opportunity to show what he could do. Um, his pass completion rate was awful. And he just kind of looks like he was he was a passenger, which for someone who was captain in their country, you know, dozens and dozens of times and was our kind of marquee signing to replace mm-hmm. Cambiasso. Uh, which is
1: still insane. How great of a yeah. story would it have been if Cambiasso was in your team this year?
0: Oh, but then who did you drop?
1: Oh, that's hard. Yeah, okay, fair enough.
0: <laughs> so, yeah. No, it's... uh, Yeah, I don't think there's anyone particularly kind of in the ranks. We've got a lad called Jacob Blythe, who's quite good. Harry Paniotto. Joe Dodu, who showed a bit of promise earlier on in the season, scored a few games in the Cup. Uh, Went out on loan to Berry after scoring a hat-trick against them in the Cup. Um, But, yeah, no one kind of pulling up any trees that's banging on the door of uh, Claudio Ranieri. So, I'm begging to to start.
1: Yeah. All right. Uh, Well, uh, very quickly... uh, Anybody that impressed particularly in your most recent match, we won't even do impressed and disappointed.
0: Yeah, it would have been pretty difficult um, for me to pick someone who disappointed, so I'm glad you've said that, Kev. Um, I think impress wise I will go for Danny Drinkwater, based on, obviously, Roy Hodgson being there to watch him. Uh, Superb ball through the middle for um, Vardy to set up Mares. kind of started the move with a, a nice raking ball. Uh, kind of a 40-yard pass, and just kind of generally ran the show, did everything that we wanted him to do in front of the England manager, and hopefully he gets some game time um, against Germany at the weekend. All right, and Dan, anybody impressed for the Albion? No. <laughs>
2: no uh, no one particularly impressed. Um, I could give you a few disappointed. Fletcher had a particularly poor game. Rarity. Mm. Not too much criticism at all. It happens in football. He, he wasn't the best. So. I'll say Fletcher for disappointed. And I'll probably say for someone that, that shone a little bit, Jakob alongside him, mm. they had a decent game.
1: Fair enough. Uh, for Tottenham, obviously Harry Kane scored two goals. Christian Eriksen had a good match, which we had been waiting for for some time. And Kevin Vimmer is just a rock at the back. And he went down with what looked like an injury and everybody held their breath because... Jan isn't even meant to start returning till training, uh, till during the international break, uh, but he turned out being fine. And and what he's done deputizing for Vertongen has been nothing short of brilliant. And he's really forced the question of will Vertongen get to just walk back into this team considering how terrific he's been? Uh, all right. Well, we are done for the day. So if you have any projects you'd like to plug or want to tell people where to reach you, now would be a good time.
0: Thanks for listening, guys. I've been Jim. Uh, you can find me at gymnight88 on Twitter if you want to tell me how amazing Daniel Sturridge is and how wrong I am um, <laughs> that is England prospects um, and yeah it's about it really
2: cheers I've been done um, you can find me on Twitter either at baggiesfats or at What's 22 um, yeah plenty of stats regarding West Bromwich Albion and how great poor slash we've been this season at times <laughs> um and I I also do a bit of writing for uh, as as a, as a overview of the Premier League and what's going on in the Premier League for Crystal Palace website, the Eagles Beak. Um so cheers for having me. Cheers. Cheers Kev Tup.
1: Yeah, and I am your host, Kevin DeVries at Kevroff on Twitter. You can find my writings also at theeaglesbeak.com and at PlayTaga.com. Also, tune in to our fantasy show, the FPL Roundtable, which goes up on Thursdays, where you can get all the hot fantasy tips. And also, sometimes we lose our minds and talk about college basketball, which I hate this week. Rest in peace to the universities of Kentucky and Cincinnati, respectively, during uh, March Madness, which they fell victim to. All right, well, thanks so much for joining us, guys. It's been a pleasure, as always, and we hope you keep listening.